Hello and welcome to the Marysville Church of Christ podcast. This is Commute, where we explore lessons taught on our Sunday morning sermons and unpack them just a little bit deeper, applying things to our life, asking challenging questions, and just generally learning more about the topic at hand. As we uh, approach this morning, I want to be very blunt about something. A lot of the questions that are going to be asked, a lot of the conversation points over the next couple of Commute podcasts are going to leave us feeling a little uncomfortable. They're going to make us challenge ourselves, our involvement, and our church, and whatever church you attend. But the reality is, sometimes in Christianity, we need a wake-up call. Sometimes Christianity is comfort and enjoyment. Sometimes it's a product we like and indulge in. But sometimes, sometimes the Holy Spirit comes in and wakes us up. Sometimes he grabs us tightly by our collar, shakes us a little bit, and allows us to grow by questioning, by challenging, and by studying. This Sunday, Jeff, our uh, pulpit minister here, he gave a sermon that you can actually listen to on our podcast feed entitled Made for This Involvement, in which he explores the way the first century functioned, the way the church was designed in the first century, and what exactly uh, the church was able to accomplish throughout history. And then he turned the lens into the 21st century and asked a very uncomfortable question to us. Are we living up to our legacy? Are we in the 21st century, a generation of Christians that the world will be changed by, or a generation of Christians that will go forgotten? And I think sometimes if we're being honest with ourselves, the answer is the latter. When you think about what the church has done in the last 20 years, can you name something? Considering that the church has always accomplished magnificent feats, the creation of libraries, hospitals, universities, the change to the collective conscious, an idea we're going to come back to in just a moment, the church has always made meaningful differences in the world. But when I look out in the 21st century and I look out at the landscape of the 21st century, I don't see us. I don't see us out in front. I don't see us being the motivating catalysts for change. I don't see us out changing the world. In fact, if you were to pressure me, I don't know if I could tell you how the church has changed the world. And that's, well, that's concerning. The question I want us to have today is what exactly can we do? What are we to do? And how can we live up to our legacy? Over the next couple of commute podcasts, over the next couple of days, the intern of creativity here at Marysville Church of Christ, Jesse Davis, will be jumping on the pod with me, and we'll be exploring ways that we can practically change our life, asking difficult questions and pushing us forward in the right way. But today, I'd like us to just set a little bit of a historical groundwork, what exactly it means to carry the heritage of the church forward. I would argue, and it wouldn't just be me alone, there are a variety of historians who would back this up, that the single most meaningful catalyst for change in history since antiquity has been the church. Some of the greatest and most impactful changes have come by our pushing. But this isn't always good. The church has always been the biggest proponent of change, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. Though it is true that we were responsible for ideals such as forgiveness, mercy, generosity, kindness, and humanitarianism, though we are responsible for getting that into the mainstream, we are also responsible for judgment, condemnation, and horrific acts of violence such as the Crusades. 
We as a church have always been leading the world, sometimes into glory, sometimes, well, sometimes into violence. But it's always been us out front. And as we consider our impact on the collective conscious, we first have to step back into the first century and truly understand what it was to live a life as a first century Greco-Roman in the Roman Empire. I think a lot of times we glorify, we romanticize the past, or we make the past like the present. But the reality, we do a disservice both to the 21st century and to the first century whenever we try to take one into the other. If we try to read into the first century, 21st century questions, ideals, and communities, well, we're doing the first century an injustice. And if we try to bring the first century to us and try to take its lessons, principles, and thoughts, we're doing a disservice to the 21st century. It's important whenever we explore the past that we walk into the past. We accept where we are. We look around and get a reading of what the world was like and help that propel us forward. We will never be able to move forward in the 21st century until we know where we started, all the way back in the first one. The Greco-Roman world was predicated on a Caesarean form of power, and by that I mean the power of Caesar. Caesar, um, a, at first an individual and then a colloquial title for those in charge, Caesar had a form of power that was rule or be ruled. It was a desperation form of ruling. It was power over the weak. And this was how Rome dominated not only its citizens, but also its enemies. Several times we see that the Roman idea of, quote, peace was just annihilation. You disagree with me, I will conquer you. You fight me, I subject you. And my sword is sharper, my armies are larger, my armor is better, and I will win. This Caesarian view of power not only manifested itself in wars, but it also manifested itself in interpersonal relationships. There was always a hierarchy. In marriage, the male had the dominance over the female and the children. And often they used that as Caesarian power, violent, um, often forceful, sometimes abusive, showing that I am in charge and you are not the control and the rule over the weak. And we see this in friendships. We see this in economic dealings. We see this in business interactions. We see this in every form of Roman life. There is a social hierarchy based on this Caesarian view of power that I am strong and you are weak. Concepts such as um, what we would consider moral concepts, such as mercy, forgiveness, grace, these things were not viewed as good. In fact, they were viewed as weakness. They were made fun of. They were mocked. We see this when Julius Caesar arrives in triumph after his conquest in the Gauls. As he returns into Rome, he is greeted with a variety of signs. Signs that talk about his sexual conquests, how many women he has slept with, his violent deeds, how many people he has killed. There was no magnanimity. There was no kindness. It was all power. Power, power, power. In this world of power and dominance, abuse and control, The ideals that Christianity offered of a Savior who did not kill but was killed, who did not teach how to kill effectively but to die well, who was not a king in a robe but a criminal on a cross, these ideas were countercultural and radical. And slowly over the course of hundreds of years, the Christian movement brought the ideas of forgiveness, of grace, 
of mercy and of peace into the common collective until we see in the 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th century uh, Byzantium rulers or, or Gallic rulers or Gothic rulers or even as we get more into um, the Middle Ages as we see in England and France, kings and queens, they want to be known as merciful, kind, and forgiving. Over the course of hundreds of years in the collective conscious, whereas power over the weak was the way to go, soon it became important to have things like mercy and care for the weak. This was not an idea that developed in secular culture, but it was an idea that the church brought into the world. Today, when a president runs for um, presidency, for those of you who live in the United States, we see all the time in campaign speeches how they offer that they are going to be gracious and kind, how they're going to be this and that. They're going to care for the poor. They're going to care for the weak. And this is a constant testimony, a reminder of how the church brought these ideals of forgiveness and grace into the common collective. But it's also important for us to realize that by the same metric, we also set that evolution back. In the 13th, 14th, and 15th centuries, we see in particularly as the church was ascending into power, unlike into nothing, we see that they began to break their own rules and the church began to reflect the Caesarean power of Rome. Violence, inquisitions, death, and destruction began to rain down, and what happened? The world followed suit. We get into a time of devastating war, oppression and social upheaval. In one example, in one instance, we can see both the positives and the negative influence of the church, both introducing and taking something out of the collective conscious. This is just one area. The Enlightenment in the 17th and 18th century, one of the most important times in human development. In fact, as many atheistic scholars believe today, it is probably the center of human history. The Enlightenment brought so many different important ideas to the forefront of our collective conscious. Considering and exploring ideas such as equality, egalitarianism, uh, the right to rule, the right to ascend, the right to life, the, light, the right to liberty, etc. As these ideas are being introduced, you'll find that in the earliest of their writings, they were citing and using not secular philosophy, but Christian doctrine as the core and the crux of their development. See, this idea is interesting because even the way that nations are now founded, countries are now governed, are influenced by the way the Christian world was able to express its views. Again, a positive. But also, again, a negative, because now we see in the 21st century that often American politics and the church are coming together in an unhealthy way. Now, Christians' individual or personal theological agendas are becoming political ones, and we find many groups of people, people in the LGBTQ communities of different races or different socioeconomic statuses, now fighting for basic rights, as the church just continues to use its powers in an unhealthy way. Again, another reminder that we have to be careful, because we can move things forward for good, or we can push things back for bad. This power through the church is unmatched. There has never been a political or sociopolitical or philosophical group that has had the same influence over human history that we have. And that power exists in our hands today. As we look through the several thousands of years, we have so many historians who can, even people who don't believe in God, people like Tom Holland, who are pointing and saying the church has always been the motivator for change, good or bad. 
That leaves us today asking a very simple question. We are motivating the world right now. As this podcast is recording, the church is motivating the world. Are we moving it forward or are we moving it backward? If I can be bold for a second, and I guess I can because, well, I'm the one on the microphone. What if we're not doing good? What if we're using our influence in the wrong way? What if the church right now is being remembered for and viewed not as people of love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, but rather, what if we're being seen right now as judgmental, condemning, and hateful people? What if what we're introducing into the public psyche is exactly what we're seeing in the world? What if the church is to some degree responsible for the divisiveness and hate that we see in our country? I would argue that the church has always been at the forefront of movements, and if we're seeing a country divided, that probably means the church is to some degree responsible. And I would say that it's pretty obvious to see how. Over the last two or three years through the COVID crisis, the election cycle, we've seen the church collapse in so many ways. The church universal is struggling because we're too busy arguing. Political agendas, ideologies, vaccination, masks, all of these things we use against each other. And if the church is the biggest motivator for change in the universe, then the state of the world is on us. Then the way that the world is divided and hateful, the screaming, the yelling, the disdain, there is no one to blame but the church. Satan often uses the church when God isn't. The question we have to ask ourselves is, are we letting Satan lead us or God? Now, this idea made me really uncomfortable when I started sitting down to write this podcast. I was so uplifted and edified by the ways of good that the church has done, abolition movements, civil rights movements, the way that we have really been solely responsible for so much of the innovations in medicine and philosophy that has allowed rights to people who never had them before. I was so proud to be a Christian as I saw through our legacy the good things we've done. And I look at the world today, and I think to myself, what can we do now? We have the history, we have the heritage, we have the past, we have the responsibility, and we still have the influence. So, tomorrow, join me as we explore how it is that we as Christians today can rise to the challenge and once again live up to our legacy, our heritage, our past. Thank you. God bless you. And let's change the world again.